And welcome on into this weekend's edition of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, here exclusively on ClabesOnline.com. We got another great show set for you today. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside, as always, by Andy Hanselman. Who, Andy, you uh, you're taking advantage of the uh, the country opening up a bit as you uh, you just got off the golf course. So I'm I'm interested to hear how that uh, how that looks or how that goes with um, with, with you today. But first of all, uh, welcome on in. Well, hi, Joseph. Glad to be here, as always, with you. Uh, so where where did you go today? Oh, we went to the wonderful Normandy, which just reopened last week. That's right. Jay's working out there. I believe Jay is going to be on with uh, Klaibs, uh next week at some point on Klaibs Online. He was oh, cool. going to, uh, yeah, he was going to talk to him a little bit. So it'll be, uh, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, so we'll hear only, what he has to say. The only real differences were, um, you know, it's one person do a cart. Uh, mm-hmm. unless, unless you live together, and then you can ride in a cart together. Okay. Uh, the cups are upside down, and so balls really don't go into a hole. They just kind of skim across the top. So we're kind of playing it that is that if it if it skims across the top of the hole, it counts. It's in. All right. So that that could help your handicap a little bit, huh? It, it does. It does for sure. But I mean, you, you know if you made it or not. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you but you mean even if something you know lips out you know that it would have gone in so yeah, any any arguments as to whether or not something went in then that one okay that one. So every, everybody everybody's pretty much on on uh on uh, on on par with the same rules there to uh use a golf pun if i will awesome that's uh that's great i know they're going to talk a little bit about it uh on the show this yep. week or whatever it is they decide to uh to do this week so i uh, i look forward to hearing what jennings has to say next week about that uh as well so big show for us today andy three guests coming up on the uh, on the program we will uh, we'll talk first with ryan fagan from sporting news uh, talk a little baseball with him he's a st louis guy who writes nationally but he uh, he covers a lot of cardinal stuff but we're just going to talk a little bit about that and then one of the th- reasons i wanted to have him on so i've been doing a few of the opener up segments presented by the inskip law firm and i once i did one of them somebody pointed out to me that i guess ryan has been doing those on uh on twitter so it, I, I don't know if that's where Corey got his idea from or or what uh, but I, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to have him on and talk to him about that. We are, we planned on doing. We're going to do a uh, video to open up some cards in the near future with the amount of cards that we have. Uh, but I went ahead, Andy, and I so I found this box of, I'm looking at it right now, of Topps Stadium Club Batman Returns cards. Oh, very nice. And you know, I, and I suck. I forgot to buy baseball cards this week. Andy, I have so many boxes of these uh, of these cards, and they're the dumbest things ever. But you know what? I bet there's some sort of uh, I bet there's a big DC Comics guy out there who would probably pay for these, uh, pay good money, probably, probably for these. But I have I have a box filled with boxes of unopened packs of cards. I easily have well over 100 of these packs of cards, if not 200 of these packs of cards, just in my basement. So I would never have been able to hold that. How long have they, how long have they been down there? Andy, they've, I mean, I, I, 
these I I think my dad somehow came into most of these. Like this this pack right here of tops 92 93 cards right here. I mean, these box I've had these boxes forever and they've just been unopened and I have a feeling that at my parents' house uh there are more cards there than what I have here at my house. This I've I mean, cards they they were no longer like a really important to me and I just kind of held on to them i I mean i i just never really thought to open them so i know that i have a i have a huge moving box full of opened cards in my basement oh i have those too yeah i have i mean i have so many of the boxes of the open cards any of the ones we've done with football have been box uh, cards that have already been opened because i think like it seems like every year i come home with a pack or two of cards from the super bowl yeah, and they're just ones that are just sitting somewhere, and I grab a pack, and then I open them, and I, I feel like I might have a few packs of those. But yeah, I, I mean, this is it's a whole lot of stuff. You know, I, I don't have much else going on. So would, we so uh, back in the day, back in the late '80s, um, Sam's carried um, wax packs of Topps baseball cards. Yeah, I remember they were seventeen dollars a box, and my dad, my dad would take me, or you know, probably. I probably get a box once or twice a year, just because you know it was. He, he didn't really encourage baseball card collecting, right? <laughs> he knew that I liked it, and so. But I'd always get, you know, I get packs from the from the local gas stations. But it yeah, was always I, fun. But it was always fun to have the unopened box of wax packs. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep going through all these boxes of cards. I mean, this is there's no end in sight, but this show is gonna keep uh keep going here on Clabes Online along with some of the other content. We'll get to that in a bit. Also on the show, Lawrence Holmes, a, a friend of mine from 670 The Score in Chicago, also with NBC Chicago, uh, NBC uh, the NBC yeah does sports with NBC Chicago up there. We're gonna talk to him about Last Dance, the the Bulls documentary, four parts into that. Well, I might have him on again after all 10 parts are aired, but we'll talk a little bit about that. It turns out that I, uh, you'll, you'll want to hear that. I, I guess on his show, he had a cutoff for, I guess, memories and enjoyment of it from a childhood standpoint of the age of 35, which I am 35. So he kind of got into, he, he got into interviewing me for a little bit of it with my memories of the uh, of the Bulls run back in the 90s. And uh, whatever I tell him is uh, very similar to how, um, I, I guess, the, I, I guess the uh, memories or the uh, feelings that other people have that have called into his show. So I, I look forward to, um, to talking, uh, to hearing that. And then, so a few weeks ago, Andy, we had Ricky O'Donnell on. He was with SB Nation. SB Nation has since furloughed him, so he's kind of writing on his own. He is doing the simulation of the uh, Western Illinois Leathernecks basketball team from NBA 2K8. So he has um, he, he's been doing that. He's in year eight right now of the simulation. He's writing for it for his own blog website. So I am very much looking forward to uh, to to seeing how that goes and when he finally is able to win a national championship with the Western Illinois Leathernecks. I mean, will you will you jump for joy when that happens? I will. I have also <laughs> put him I, I have put him in touch with some people at Western Illinois University to get him some uh, some gear sent over. Oh, how nice of you. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, hopefully that uh, that happens. Um, I, I sent a text out. They responded to me. I think they thought he was an alum, um, so I don't know if him not being an alum is going to matter at all, but he's doing good work promoting the school in, in reality in a really, really odd way. But I, I still think that the school is is going to benefit from this in the uh, in the long run. So that's what we have coming up later on in the uh, in the show today. I did not get into uh, the uh, the stuff with Ryan Fagan about Yadier Molina, which we will get into in uh, in just a bit. And I imagine uh, that's something that if, if Klaibs talks to any baseball guests over the next week, that's something he'll get into as well. But I do want to, Andy, I've been talking about the, uh, the new segment. Did you watch the segment last week with Jim Thomas of Off the Wall? I did. And you were right. JT had a, had a little trouble, you know, maneuvering the camera around to get it really right where he wanted it. But you, you got the gist. And, yes. uh, and, I, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. So I, I, I love seeing that kind of stuff from people. Monday we go we get a tour through the house of Frank Cusimano. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. So this is uh it's going to be really good. The production value on it. Andy, I'm gonna say the production value on it is ten times better than the production value of what I did with JT. Not not talking about JT's side of it. I'm talking about my work on my end of editing the video, ten times better. So there's been a kind of a famous picture out there floating around on Twitter of Frank in his UMSL uniform from the early 80s. What yeah. I want to know, and, and you, you can't tell, don't tell me now, but I just want to know if that's hanging up in his home. I will. So I will tell you this. No, I will spoil it. That picture. So that picture's not Frank's. I don't know. I mean, that's a picture that Klaibs has. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So that was a picture Klaibs posted. That picture is mentioned during the off the wall segment on Monday. And it is uh, so it is referenced because of another picture that I see hanging up on the wall in Frank's house. Now, you have an amazing head of hair. I have an amazing head of hair. Yeah. Neither of ours compares to the head of hair on Frank Cusimano in the early 80s. I am offended by that. Um, If you mean you're looking at me right now on the video and you can uh, bring a headband. I am wearing a headband. It's either hat or headband right now when I'm around the house. It's, I'm, wearing, it, it, I'm wearing a hat because my hair is a hot mess. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you get the goatee is, is fully growing in. Yeah, but and, you, I, and have you, how are the curls doing on the side there for the Fu Manch, for the, uh, for the Hogan style mustache? They're kind uh, of there a little bit. Oh, I mean, they are. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's not that thick, but I, and when I cut it, I mean, I, the first cut is just going to go straight down the middle. I, that's the, the first cut is going to go down the middle and that mustache is going to have a nice little, uh, nice little handlebar on it. Mrs. Roderick just has to be thrilled. I, why wouldn't you be? Why, why wouldn't you be, uh, just absolutely thrilled by, by the quarantine facial hair that I am, uh, working on. So Look, we have, uh, right. You look amazing. Yeah. So we have uh, we have that coming up on Monday, and I'm looking forward to that. Jen Langosh will be in a few weeks as well. I, I have that one recorded, but because I'm an idiot, I messed up a little bit of the audio on my end. Jen did a great job, so I want to hold off and let a few good ones go out there first before you listen to the one that's filled with my mistakes. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah. You're, you're, you've, been, you, you've been kind of thrown into the deep end with this thing. And you're learning. You're learning a lot quickly, and I think uh, you're doing a fantastic job. You know what, though? But the, the thing is, this was a mistake of me not putting the microphone down. Like I'm sitting here right now with this headset on. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, I did it with the headset. 
headset, I mean, you can hear how faint my voice is right now because I had the headset up. And is it now, ideal? No, yeah. but is, is, it, is it quarantine ideal? Maybe. Yeah, now you can hear the difference. So this that's basically what the issue is with uh, the one with Jen. I, I feel like I need to reach out to her because she knows that it's been recorded. So I want to let her know, like, hey, it's going to be posted. It's, you know, but here we just need to we just need to get some of this stuff through. So, uh, by the way, we're recording this on May 1st. It's going to be on the website May 2nd. Andy, I want to say a goal I have for the month of May. I, I looked at it the other day. I want to be able to run 100 miles in the month of May. I have yet to run 100 miles in a month. That's happening in May. I have come Ever? just short under. I think I'm sure I have before, but I, I have come sh- uh, just under 95 miles the last two months. So uh, this month I'm hitting 100. And I thought that was a decent goal. I, I thought, okay, you know, that's that's a pretty good, you know, uh, that's a pretty good goal to hit. Are you familiar with the name Julia Cohen? Boy, it sounds awfully familiar. Okay, she's she is from St. Louis. She yep. is a Olympic. Uh, she is tra- She was training for the Olympics. Is training for the Olympics to be a distance runner in the Olympics for the United States Olympics team. She is also uh, she is also um, dating or I guess engaged to former Illini basketball player Tyler Gri- uh, Giffy Griffey Giffy I think it is. Giffy. Um, yeah. So. I, I became familiar with her when I was in one of the races I was doing. I was on like mile, I think like five of nine and she's coming back the other way passing. And I was like, wow, that, that girl's killing it. So I went and looked at the results afterwards and I saw this name and then I saw Benjamin Hockman write an article about her. So I started following some of her training for this so I'm, I, you know, again, 95 miles in March, 95 miles in April. Andy, she has already, uh, Andy, yeah, she posted this morning that she has already run 1,580 miles in 2020. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a little overly ambitious for me. Andy, that's, that's, all, that's over 350 miles a month. I was just going to do the math on it, but yeah, wow. Right? I mean, I guess I, I, if you're going to be an Olympic runner, I mean, I guess that's kind of what you have to do. Right? So I went out and I did seven this morning. I don't know what I'm yep. going to do tomorrow morning, but I'm going to go run a, again tomorrow morning. I did uh, I did my Louisville half marathon last week, or I guess the running right. place so of the Louisville half marathon. This, yeah. this is usually a pretty big weekend for us. Uh, we usually hit the road on, on Sunday after the after the show airs and, and head down to Louisville for the Kentucky Derby Festival. And we're not going. This year, because there is no derby this weekend. Yeah, it would have been. Well, it would have been last weekend. The derby would have been this Sunday. I mean, tomorrow, Saturday, the second. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that that uh, I thought I thought that would have been this weekend. So we'll never mind. Yeah, because I would have been uh, the the half would have been last weekend. So it would have been last Saturday. And then Sunday would have been when you would have met me in Louisville. Right. Oh. Yeah, and then the Derby would be this this I guess Saturday. So yeah, that's that's where where it is with that. So as we still you know it's just been a lot of Netflix and a lot of the the Bulls. Did you have you caught up at all? Did you watch any of the Bulls documentary this past I, week? I have not. Okay, it's I mean I, we did a three part interview up on Claves Online with Clarence Gaines Jr., the former assistant uh, general manager and head of scouting for the uh, for the Bulls championship team. So that's available right now with that. I got it was the Rodman episodes 
And one of the coolest things that they showed on there that is going to forever be a memory I will have. Andy, as we talked about, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I grew up in Lansing, Illinois, southeast side of Chicago. And I, I do not remember the first one. I have very vague memories of the second title. I remember the third title, and I clearly remember title four, five, and six. I went to my, my parents, my mom, I guess, um, was able to take me to one game during those championship years. One time I got to see Michael Jordan play in person. It was February 22nd, 1997. The Bulls were playing the Golden State Warriors. They won by over 30 points, close to 40 points. But if you've ever seen the iconic picture of Dennis Rodman, where he is flying to save a loose ball and landing in the lap of Gene Siskel. Yes, I've seen this picture. That was the game that I was at. So the one Bulls game that I got to go to to see Michael Jordan as a kid, that was the memory that I had of Dennis that was Rodman. The only Bulls game you ever went to, period? I've been, no, I've been, as a as during to see, that's the only time I ever saw Michael Jordan. Yes, that is the only Bulls game I ever went to to see Michael Jordan. I, I've been to, I've been to them since. I, I, I got to see them during the, the, uh, Derek Rose years. Uh, I got to see a few games. I went down to Memphis to see. Uh, a Bulls game one year. I, I went up uh, three years ago and I got to see LeBron um, play the Bulls a few years ago. So I've gotten to see that. But yes, I, the only one time that I got to see Michael Jordan and those Bulls championship teams. One time. Those tickets, Andy, those tickets were impossible to come by. Oh, I didn't realize they were there, that they were that hard to get. I mean, you're, you're talking, I mean, that was, that was the year, I mean, you're, you're talking about just uh, the team going on championship run after championship run, playing 41 games at home in a, in a stadium that only held 20,000. Yeah. So I, I, it's, I mean, yeah, I've, that that was the hottest ticket. I, I can't, I mean, outside of a Cubs playoff ticket recently, I can't imagine there was ever a hotter ticket in, in the city of Chicago. Interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I figured they were hot. I didn't know that they were impossible to get. They, they. I mean, that's that. Well, that's at least that's what my parents told me. <laughs> so, but I do. I mean, I've heard the story of the the channels that that my mom had to go through to get a ticket to or to get the two tickets, the standing room only tickets for us. So knowing knowing the channels that she had to go through, I do know that it was you know that she had she had to. I guess call in a few favors or ask a few friends for, for help with it. So yeah, but watching, I mean, again, it, it takes you back. Uh, and the Clarence gain stuff has been, has been really good. A lot of Isaiah Thomas hate on there too. Yeah, and, so oh. Joe, look, I'm looking at my DVR right now and just kind of help me out here a little bit. There, there have been, they've aired four episodes of it. Yeah. So it's saying that episodes five and six are a repeat already. So, but that's, but that's what I need to record. So and actually, if you uh, if you haven't watched it and you want to catch up, uh, starting at four o'clock on Sunday, you can start with uh, episode one of The Last Dance. Yeah, and I, I think I mean I'm not sure are they on Netflix already? I thought they. they I have, might no, be. I have not found them on Netflix. Okay, because I knew they were going on Netflix. I wasn't sure of the actual date that they were that they were going up on uh, onto Netflix. So. Yeah. And did you watch uh, Did you get the chance to watch the Parks and Rec from last night? You know, I did not. Were you a Parks and Rec guy when it was no, on? No, I never watched an episode of it. Okay. So uh, the, uh, and I've, I've said this, I, I think I tweeted this out the other day, that the, the, the cool thing about it, they had the entire cast back. How clever the writers had to be to explain. There's three married couples on Parks and Rec. 
I, I guess it, on the show, as far as characters go, explaining where all three, I mean, why all three married couples had to be, were, were not together in the same room. You know, having okay. different stories, backstories for why they weren't together. So that was, that was really clever. But then what really got me to pop. So you're, I mean, Nick Offerman, you know who Nick Offerman I is, do. right? Yes. Do you know who his wife is? Uh, on the show? No, no, no. In real life. Um, I should know this, but no. Megan, not- Megan Mullally. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Karen from Will and Grace. Yeah. So on Parks and Rec, she was the character known as Tammy Two who was Ron Swanson's second ex-wife named Tammy. And she's a psycho. (laughs) So obviously Nick and Megan lived together. And when they were all filming these things from their home, they were able to work her in, even though Ron Swanson is married in real life, or I guess married on the show, they were able to work in an appearance by Tammy too, Megan Malay on the show as her being a psycho stalker now who snuck into Ron Swanson's house. <laughs> I, I, I've heard that the show is very funny. I think Nick Offerman is absolutely hilarious. It, it's one to watch. It, if you're, if you're looking to binge on something, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something to, uh, to watch. So that's, uh, that's uh, put that on your list as well. I wanted to I wanted to briefly just get into as we as we sit and we wait to find out I, the news came out today. I was kind of I was told this earlier in the week that Major League Baseball had a plan in place with the umpires. The umpires are going to take a 30 percent pay cut. So it looks like baseball is getting closer and closer to coming back as now they are striking deals with umpires on what their schedule will look like. And more and more is coming into play about what divisions or leagues or scheduling will will end up looking like um, in all of this. So baseball will be back, I think, late June, early July is is what we're kind of looking at. But the story now of the Yadier Molina kind of story that's come out of this where it seemed like 2020 might be his last year, but now that they're getting all this time off, it's not going to be his last year. And he said he was going to retire a Cardinal, but now if the Cardinals don't want him, he's ready to go elsewhere. I'm, I don't think that it ends up this way, but you know, watching as much of the last dance as I have and seeing how that ended so poorly it's hard to kind of watch or kind of think that the yachty the ending to yachty in st louis will will go well right now i kind of it kind of worries me at this moment yeah i kind of share the same sentiments joe um obviously i know we as a as a huge fan of yachty and i have been for you know for a long time ever since he, he broke into the league um the the idea of him playing for another team is is quite i wouldn't say disturbing but it was the first word that came to mind. Um, but you know, it, it happens in the business. And if he wants, if he wants eighteen to twenty million dollars uh, to for to play two more years per season, uh, the Cardinals will be silly to give him that. I thought they were uh, I, when they when he signed this deal back on opening day in twenty sixteen. I believe was that one. Is that what it was? Four years? Yeah. Uh, I said, uh, give him anything he wants. He's Yachty. He's earned it. Um, he's uh, he's your captain. He's your 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 guy on the field for the team. And uh, I, I don't I don't share those sentiments anymore. Um, now that you know he's 
you know, he's 38 years old. And you know, hopefully, I, I would hope that he would kind of take, he, he see what Adam, what Adam Wainwright has done over the past couple of years, taking the incentive-laden contracts, and which have worked out, quite honestly, to Adam's benefit. So I, I would hope that Yachty can, if you, want to, if you really want to stay a Cardinal, that he understands that that's kind of where he's going to have to be. Yeah, no, it's and I think I think Adam Wainwright having the one good year, the first good year on the incentive laden deal, might actually help the Cardinals because it might or it might give Yachty that kind of that that knowledge too that okay it can work out and I can earn some money and I'll know I'll know what I'm capable of doing and I, I could I I control how much I end up making so maybe the relationship he has with Wainwright kind of helps in that, in that case. I mean, they're pretty tight buddies. I would, I would assume that they, that, that they have discussed those things amongst themselves. Yeah. Uh, Wainwright gets mentioned on this day in Cardinal history on Klabe's online. The other, uh, I think uh, May 1st, I think is, uh, is that one. You'll have to go back and look at the archives for, uh, for that. But a, uh, we have a nice little roster for the month of May, along with the commission, Rick Hummel. Also, Mike Shannon joins in on this day in oh, Cardinal wow. history. Yeah, and uh, Rick Horton will have a few days, and I think we have some others in mind as well that we're going to uh, that we're going to put out there on the roster. So you, definitely, yeah. You guys let me do a show on this website with you. You guys have this all these all these all star talent. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just I bring you along with the uh, with Weekend Joe. So a lot, a uh, lot coming it's up. Because of, it's because of the impressions, isn't it? No, it's not the the impressions. Uh, I, I think Claves once texted me and said, "If he does an impression, he's off the show." So <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I I just I um, email myself. <laughs> <laughs> fingers and chests and let them know <laughs> what the deal is. So well, coming up, the, the rundown for the show, Ryan Fagan coming up next, Lawrence Holmes, Ricky O'Donnell, and then uh, we'll wrap things up with crack slippers right here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and the uh, the folks at Munganass St. Louis Acura, they are helping those uh, frontline workers, those uh, first responders, the essential employees. They want to show them how much they care. And right now, for all healthcare workers and first responders, they are extending a huge thank you to them by having a, a several service specials provided, including a free interior detail cleaning. You can call Munganass St. Louis Acura at 314-822-2872. That's 314-822-2872. Call them today to make an appointment and let them help you while you are helping our community. The title sponsor here of Weekend Joe exclusively on ClabesOnline.com. Got some interviews coming up uh, right after this. This is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, have you thought about uh, buying or selling your home here in St. Louis? Well, Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, he can help you out in doing so. Been selling and buying homes for well, a few decades now. You can call him at 314-503-4999. That's 314-503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. And welcome back into Weekend Joe, exclusively here on ClavesOnline.com, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. 
as we go on out to the guest line, welcoming our first guest uh, this weekend from Sporting News. He is Ryan Fagan, uh, talking a little baseball with uh, with Ryan. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you, man? I, I'm doing well. I, I mentioned this to you before we went on, uh, before we get into all the baseball news. Uh, we, we do a segment here. We have been for a few weeks, uh, the Inskip Law Firm sponsors their, our segment Opener Up, where we've been opening up random backs, uh, packs of baseball cards and doing that with our guests. And when when I first did it a few weeks ago, I had a, a listener reach out to me and say, oh, that's you know similar to what Ryan Fagan's been doing. <laughs> And I, I went to your Twitter timeline and I see how you're going about doing it. And you are you you have been doing it much longer. And I'm wondering if that's where Corey Inskip of the Inskip Law Firm got this idea for me to do it. But you uh, you found some a uh, few gems uh, of the cards that you've been opening up. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've found a lot of money there. You know, before all this coronavirus thing happened, I just kind of went around to you know baseball card shops and antique stores and you know because you never know what you're going to find and. Uh, the goal for me is always nostalgia over value, you know, so I'm opening a lot of cards that might not be worth a lot, but you know, it's, it's just fun. You know, you open a pack of, you know, I opened a pack of 93 studio baseball the other day and I, in the same pack, I got, you know, a Griffey, a Frank Thomas, a Ripken and a Barry Bonds, you know, and it's just like, that's so much fun. They may not be worth a lot, you know, in terms of what you can sell them for on eBay, but you know, there's there are things in this life that are worth more than just dollars and cents. And to me, that's you know, that's kind of the itch that baseball scratch baseball cards scratch. Yeah, we were talking about I mean, I have so many unopened ones just here in, in my basement that I've I've just started to go through. And one of them and, you know, I'm just going to open it up. The, the Batman Returns card that I was telling you about. Yes. Tops Tops Stadium. Batman Returns, 15 super premium movie cards is uh, is what it says. And just for an example here, I'm, I'm just going to – because I, I honestly have no clue what to expect opening this up. And, I mean, baseball cards, basketball cards, like you know what you're getting with those. Like you know that you are going to be getting actual cards of athletes. And I, this I, – I'm looking through this right now. The first one, Danny DeVito is the Penguin. And it's – nice. Yeah, it is. It, they are they are just cards of the actors of and the roles that they were playing. And this would have been so. This would have been Michael Keaton as as Batman. And it truly is. And Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I mean, it is just action shots of them from the movie that are in that are in this set. I have to imagine. I, I mean, I have so many of these boxes and packs that are still unopened. I I have to I have to believe that there is a. Uh, that there is some value behind this. Yeah. Well, you know, value is if you can find one person that that thinks it's valuable and then you can, you know, get your money out of it. So yeah, I mean, it's actually, I just found that I'm sitting here in the, in the car and I found a pack of 93 upper deck because I have bought a lot of those lately. That's one of my favorite sets. And there's a Felix Jose in there making a leaping catch. Well, at least a leaping attempt with Lee Smith, Tim Salmon, rookie card, you know, all kinds of good stuff here. Those are. So I wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about what's going on with with baseball. You write about it yeah. for for sporting news. And each and every week, it seems like a new idea is is floated out there as to what baseball in 2020 could possibly look like. What what are you hearing as far as what we can expect? 
Well, I think the only thing that we can expect right now is that there will be baseball in some fashion at some point in 2020. I think that things are looking towards, you know, trending towards that way. Um, There are a lot of different proposals being thrown out there. There are a lot of different thoughts because because there's there's no right answer. And that's the thing It's because there's no right answer. I think baseball, it seems, is doing a very good job of looking at everything you know whether it's you know you've heard ideas from trying to get a 120 game schedule to maybe even just doing a giant tournament the last two months you know and and having a a quote-unquote world series champion that comes out of those so you just don't know what's going to happen but it's going to be something you probably won't have fans in the stands certainly at least at the start no matter what happens um but i think that you know we've There are enough influential people out there that see baseball as a sign of a return to normalcy that I I really do expect we'll see it in some way, shape or form at some point. Probably. I mean, to me, we've heard people talk about possibly early June. That seems optimistic to me. If I had to guess, maybe something in early to mid July as a starting point. So, and with that being the case, first of all, I, what I cannot stand, and this only happens, I mean, you, you click on one of these, you know, tweets of the story and you, all you have to do is just scroll down a few before you see somebody complaining about it. Like, oh, that's not baseball. I won't watch that. BS, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there is nothing live on TV right now. If they show a game at a minor league stadium with no fans and it's counting towards a real game, you're going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I've watched, you know, Fox Sports 1 is showing reruns of This Week in Baseball, and I've watched, I don't know how many of those so far, and these are from, you know, from 1985, 1982, those types of seasons. So, you know, I I think that it's going to be, it's going to be such a welcome change to watch something that we don't already know the outcome to. <laughs> and uh, I think that's why we saw, you know, we saw the the record numbers when the NFL draft was held, even in its strange way that it was held. Everyone, you know, broadcasting from their living rooms, their basements, or whatever, um, because it was just something live that people didn't know what was going to happen games in minor league stadiums if they're you know i mean it's you know the the korean baseball organization the kbo starts on may 5th uh, and i guarantee you i'll be watching that you know they're playing baseball in in taiwan right now and people are watching that and paying attention because it's just some sort of it's some sort of sporting event i think we're realizing you know as a sports loving country how much we miss that regularity that we've had for so long and i guess taken for granted and you know the the question is too you want to be careful not to rush into it just for the sake of coming back to it um but you want to do it in a in a very responsible manner i think that's what baseball is trying to kind of toe that line between getting back as soon as possible but also not coming back too soon yeah and so i mean when it comes back i I mean, I think that we we're not going to see the normal six divisions, two leagues. We're right. we're going to be. I mean, we're going to see the 2020 season look like something that we have never seen before. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. And I think you know this is something that you know Rob Manford gets a, a lot of criticism, and you know some of it's deserved and some of it's not. But you know, as commissioner of baseball, he is not 
someone who is beholden to baseball tradition at all costs, right? And sometimes people don't like him for that. But one of the things that you can say is is he's he's willing to look at everything and there's so much resistance to change. And and you know, I, I consider myself a traditionalist, though so I will admit I didn't like the wild card when baseball started it. I love it now. You know, there there sometimes change is a good thing and and he's wanted to massively change things, right? This is his opportunity. This is his free reign. Nobody cares what he does this year in terms of how baseball looks as long as baseball's there. You know, so I think what you're going to see is baseball try everything that it can. Everything that it's thought about introducing into the into the sport permanently, you're going to see it this year. You're going to talk about revamped um, you know, divisions, leagues. You're going to see all these different opportunities and options because Nobody, nobody cares about anything but trying to get the game there. You know, whatever form it has to take, as long as it makes sense with the the current restrictions and parameters that we're dealing with with coronavirus around, you know, not just the U.S. but the globe. Um, it really offers Manfred and, and baseball the the chance to to do things differently. And I think that they're going to take advantage of that. And maybe what I'm about to say here is going to be controversial to you. I don't know your stance on this, but I'm hoping that uh, something like this eventually gets rid of pitchers hitting forever and we get a universal <laughs> DH. You know, that is something that I, I'm i surprised it's not there, honestly, already. Once baseball went to um, 15 teams in the division and there was perpetual interleague play, I really thought that was going to be the catalyst um, for putting the the dh in uh the national league you know i i don't hate the idea of pitchers because you know i grew up in in st louis and so you grow up around the national league game and the bunting and all these things and i like that but i get why people don't want to see pitchers hit i I do understand that you know and from a player's position from mlbpa association um stance it's another high-paying job the dh so you can see the players wanting it too so yeah i mean i i think that these are the types of things that they might try to do you know if you've got revamped um divisions and you know the, the usa today proposal that came out our reported proposal that came out had you know no national league no american league just three div- big giant divisions and you had AL teams and NL teams in those things. So and if that's the case, if something like that happens, yeah, you're going to see the universal DH because you can't take away, you know, that element of the game that AL teams are built around. So what is there? I mean, I don't know if there, this question can be answered or not. As we sit here at the beginning of May. So we've already missed the first month of baseball. What do you feel like we have been robbed from the most? What are we, what if, what was something you were really looking forward to seeing in that first month of the season that we haven't, that we did not get in the month of April? The thing that that I always love about the, the first month of the season is just the, out of nowhere stories, you know, the guys that are just setting the world on fire. Remember Chris Shelton a couple years ago, well, probably a decade or so with the Tigers and he came up and he hit what, 10, 11 home runs in the first month of the season. You're like, what happened? Where did that come from? And so, you know, you, you get stories like that teams that get off the hot starts. So it just, you know, even though it's as, you know, one month is a small sample size in the, in the term of the baseball season, and it doesn't necessarily impact the way the whole year is going to go. The beginning of the season is when everybody has a fresh start. You know, everybody has a clean slate. Everyone starts zero, zero. So, you know, if you're, if you're a fan base that isn't, is not expecting your team to get into the postseason, you know, you're looking at realistically 65 to 70 wins, but they have a great 
month of April, that's fun. You know, and that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of excitement that can be built. You see rookies and young guys um, getting a chance, earning a job in spring training and coming on and and really showing that they deserve to be there. Those are the types of things that I've always loved about baseball in that first month of the season. I think, you know, that's what we, you know, that's one of the things that I look at when I'm, what am I really missing about this month? It's the surprises. It's the things that you didn't see coming. Um, Those are some of the things that I, I really do. I really do miss. And being a, a St. Louis guy and, uh, you know, us being in, in St. Louis, one of the things I, we had no idea what we were going to get out of this offense, but I think yeah. it was, I, I think a lot of people knew that the pitching staff was going to be pretty special this year in St. Louis. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think as long as the guys stayed healthy and, you know, Adam Wainwright pushed back um, to steal a, a line from Vince Scully and um, the movie for love of the game, as long as he pushed back the, what was it? The sunset for another year <laughs> when he's talking about Kevin Costner's Billy Chapel. Um, you know, as long as Wainwright did that and there was every reason to believe that he would, you know, the Cardinals pitching staff could have been really good. You know, I, I was, I I'm on the pessimistic side about what the offense was going to be capable of just asking um, for guys to bounce back from career trends seemed like a lot, but you know, I think that this is still a, it, it's still a team that, you know, was going to be in that playoff conversation mix. It was going to be in the division title mix. Um, so yeah, it would have been interesting to see what was going to happen. Um, and it still will be And you know, a smaller, a smaller season, a shorter season makes for a lot of different possibilities. You know, I mean, I think when you, when you're talking about a hundred games, maybe instead of 162 games, you know, you look at what the standings look like after four months and then compare them to what they look like at the end of the season in a full season, it, it could be a big difference. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a, a smaller season is a chance for, sorry, a shorter season is a chance for teams that may not be as good to get into the postseason. And I think, you know, that's that's something that's once we finally get to the point where baseball is going to be played, that's going to be something worth watching. It's, uh, you know, we still, it's, it's May. It doesn't sound like anything is even close to starting in May, but it looks like no. June, July is... Is kind of what we're we're going to get, and you know the other thing in St. Louis too with the Cardinals, from every from the rumors that we've been seeing of the ideas that they're going to put out there, it does seem like there's going to be a very I guess a lack of a minor league system, and then yeah, yeah and on top of that, it's it looks like we're going to uh, maybe see a lot more Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because, you know, there was a report a couple of days ago that minor leagues were going to be canceled. And a lot of people in the know quickly came back and said, well, that's not true. We, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen. But I, realistically, it, it makes sense that there will not be a full minor league um, slate because if you can't get enough major league stadiums to – um, and quarantine gets the players these I keep coming back to is there's still so many things that are outside of baseball's control right and I think that's what's frustrating to baseball you know for sure because there's not going to be any baseball until there are readily available tests yeah know, and, and abundant tests because there's not going to be a situation where they are taking tests away baseball is taking tests away from medical professionals right so there have to be an abundance of tests and there have to be 
the willingness um, to give all of these extra tests to the players because you're going to be testing these guys. I mean, you would imagine at least once a week, every two weeks, um, if at the minimum. So that has to happen first. So all of these other things that we talk about, you know, the potentials for a starting date, how many games, none of that's happening until we get to the point of just widespread testing availability. And yeah, I mean, if that happens, Dylan Carlson's going to be a big part of what they do because you're going to see expanded rosters. Um, you're, I would imagine you'll see something like some sort of taxi squad. So if you have a 26 man roster, which, you know, they were going to go up to that anyway, this year, um, maybe you have uh, 35 to 40 guys on the roster with the team, but only 25 are designated as available for any given day. You're going to see those types of things. And so that's going to mean that any prospect that was on the verge of being ready is, is not going to be sent down for, um, for playing time reasons. Well, hopefully the month of May is the last month that we'll have to go without any kind of uh, baseball, Ryan. I appreciate yeah. you uh, jumping on board. We're going to keep following you on Twitter and see what kind of cards you uh, you have to open up. And maybe down the road we can do uh, we could do a video here for Klabes Online and uh, open some packs together. Yeah, that'd be cool. I got I got lots of lots of good cards uh, ready ready to be open, and that's for sure. Sounds good, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Fagan. That's R-Y-A-N-F-A-G-A-N from Sporting News. Also does some work with DAZN as well. Uh, we uh, we thank him for taking some time and coming on to Weekend Joe. Driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of the radio program. Also a, a sponsor is Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. Kevin Miller uh, has been a, a sponsor for so long, for so many of my shows, and we thank him for continuing over to ClabesOnline.com. You can give him a call if you're in the market to buy or sell a home. 314-503-4999. That's 314- 503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. Take a break. Back with Lawrence Holmes of 670 The Score in Chicago. We're talking last dance with him next on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura. You're listening to Weekend Joe now on ClabesOnline.com, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura. Also sponsored by the Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Sponsor of, uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about 10 years now. Collinsville Auto Body, they'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Collinsville Auto Body. And welcome back into Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on Claves Online as we head on out to our next guest from 670 The Score in Chicago, also working with CB or NBC Chicago. And he is uh, the House of L podcast, the, the man behind the House of L podcast. He is Lawrence Holmes. What's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm hanging in there. It's a weird time, but so far so good. It's almost weird to be okay. You know what I mean? Right. It's you know, but for for someone, I I know we were just talking about it before we started recording here. You you're, you're doing radio up in Chicago. There's never there there should never be a lull in something to talk about with all of the teams up there and every you know storyline every single day. So uh, what are you guys talking about on the score? 
It's it's been interesting because this week has been more active than others. Like clearly, folks want to talk about the the Last Dance documentary. The Blackhawks fired John McDonough, the president of the Blackhawks, got fired this week. The Bears had an NFL draft this week, and so there there's been this has probably been the most normal sports week that we've had since the shelter in place happened in Illinois where you knew exactly what your shows were going to be like and how to build your shows. It, it's been the most normal week for that. How, uh, how are you adjusting? I know you said you've been doing it for a while. How are you adjusting to radio at home? I initially thought that I was going to hate it. I, I initially thought that doing, I love being in the studio. I like being able to see my producers I like that interaction, the nonverbal communication, but I've actually gotten used to it. And I never thought that I would be someone that would want to do a show from home. But now I, I get it for all the people that that do it and do it well. I now understand where they're coming from and I'm I'm with it wholeheartedly. I think the biggest thing for me right now, everything I'm doing recording wise has been on Skype or Zoom to where I'm seeing you. Like right now I am looking at Lawrence Holmes doing this interview. When I get back to the studio and I just start doing interviews over the phone, that's going to be weird for me, I think, is having to go without seeing and having a face to face conversation. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I will say that it, I've been obviously like staying in touch with a lot of people via text message, like staying in touch with my friends via text message and, one of my friends is Layla Rahimi, who is is one of our reporters and, and anchors at NBC Sports Chicago. And we did a Zoom together yesterday for one of the shows. And it is the first time I've seen her in, in like six weeks. And she's a regular on my radio show, but I'm only hearing her over the phone, like you're saying. And it was really good to be able to see her. It, you're right. I do think that it's going to be a, a level of handling the connect, connectivity of each other once we get back to our our studios. Have you been out and about around downtown Chicago at all recently? Um, a little bit. I I've been trying to be careful about how much time I'm spending out and about. Luckily, like I have a I have a White Sox mask, which I'm very excited about having one of those. But I remember probably the third week that we were shelter in place i was brave enough to go get a donut from my favorite donut place which happens to be like right outside of downtown chicago like a couple blocks from downtown chicago you've sent me there before yes the, what's the name of it do right donuts yes you've sent me there before yes it Good was stuff. eerie to be downtown like it, it happens in chicago it's it's I've noticed it in St. Louis for sure whenever I've come to visit, but even in Chicago, Saturday morning early, and I'm an early riser, you can go downtown and, and it's quiet. But this type of quiet, there's like not a lot of activity. You don't see people out. So it's it, it, it can be a little jarring. But I, I'm trying to go out like once a week, like make sure I drive my car, like stuff like that. I, I think I'm going to go grocery shopping today. But it's it's definitely been a change. Now, that being said, I'm a bit of a homebody anyway. I, I was pretty much usually work, home, work, home, work, home. So it, it's been an adjustment, but 
I don't think that it's been as big of a, an adjustment for me as it's been for other people that maybe have a better social life than I do. Now, I live on the Illinois side of St. Louis. I'm in uh, Belleville, Illinois, and there has been a lot of discussion based on the state of Illinois with Chicago versus the rest of the state and how things are being governed. Are you guys do you guys get into any of the political sense on on air at all? No, not really. But I mean, it's something that we talk about a lot in where it has to do with like the University of Illinois, for example, that there seems to be this disconnect between. Chicago and Champaign. So I'm not surprised that even further south and east that that might be an issue. We know that's a thing. Like if you look at my Twitter bio, it actually says governor of Chicago. And th- the reason for that is I, I understand why people in downstate would uh, feel like we are a drain on them. And, and I would say, I don't think that you want to disassociate yourself from Chicago. And if we were building, the joke has been if we were building a state of Chicago, like what would it look like? Well, it would be Chicago and the eight collar counties. It would be Lake and Porter County, Indiana, and then Lake County, Wisconsin, and probably Berrien County, Michigan, because we like New Buffalo. There it is. You wrap it around the lake and then you have us and, and our economic engine. But Usually in sports, the way that it comes up is there's, there is a big deal between Northwestern and Illinois because Northwestern has been branding itself as Chicago's Big Ten team. Most of the alums from the University of Illinois, they live here. Like they, there's, there's a, a big group that live in Indianapolis, big group that lives in St. Louis, but the biggest group lives in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And this disconnect between Chicago and, and, downstate, and I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I know some people do take disrespect to it. Um, there there does seem like we can't get on the same page, and maybe we are too different to coincide in the same state, but it's it it, it does come up. It, it, do, it yeah. just hasn't come up necessarily politically in what we do. Yeah, it hits close to home for us, but we're far from the only state that's dealing with an issue like this. Right now, uh, Lawrence Holmes, uh, the reason I wanted to have you on and I, I wanted I, I you know, I, I should tell our the audience I texted you last week to have you on and you told me you had the draft being in St. Louis completely forgot that the draft was even a thing. I can imagine. <laughs> watched it, watched I think two days of it, but completely forgot about it until you texted me back. But I wanted to talk last dance. I don't I, I've known you for a while, but I don't think I, how old are you, Lawrence? I'm 44. Okay, so I was 16 when the Bulls won their first title. Okay, so you have a lot probably clearer memories of their run than I do. I'm I'm 35, so oh I yeah, was... you you're actually the cutoff point that I made for everyone. Really? Because I actually I'm curious on what people 35 and younger think about what they're seeing, and and because I I remember it like I was a teenager when they won their first one. I was working in the industry at 22, at the last one. So I got to cover, and I'm, I'm using that term loosely. I was uh, um, a producer for Channel 9, for WGN back then. Oh, and wow. yeah, it was fun. I was a field producer. So my job was I would go out with the photog and put the microphone up in people's face. Yeah, And, and that was a lot of fun. I actually do remember 
getting Michael's red, getting him to stop in his red Ferrari to roll down his window and answer a couple of questions. So that's like my big like claim to fame to this last dance thing. But yeah, I remember a lot of it clearly. It's interesting to see the stuff where I was younger, like when they go back and, and talk about Michael when he first got to the, the Bulls. That stuff is really intriguing to me. But I've been asking all week for younger people to tell me about their experience with this because I, I'm fascinated by it. So what's your experience been? I have, so I have zero memory of them beating the Lakers. I don't remember that at all. That makes I, sense. I have a VHS or I had a VHS tape of them beating the Blazers. And I remember most of the series against the Suns. I remember that. I remember the, the packs and three. I remember the, uh, I remember them talking about how hot it was in Phoenix during those games. Uh, when they were there, the second three Pete, I, I mean, I remember all of that so vividly Rodman and Frank Bukowski going at it and fighting. I remember that the two series, I, the, I had the last shot hanging on my wall as a kid. Like I remember all of those. And the coolest thing about the Rodman episode, I got to go to one game during those six years. I, you know, I was a kid in Lansing and my mom took me to one game it was the game against the Warriors in February in 97 where Rodman is diving for the ball in the lap of Gene Siskel. Oh, that's top notch. Yes. So that has been a memory that I have had forever with uh, with that. So I those I mean, all these memories coming back. But there is still so much that I didn't know. I, I completely forgot or I guess never even knew that. Pippen was hurt that entire year of oh, yeah. of that of that six year. That is something that I mean, as a twelve year old, I guess during uh, you know twelve thirteen year old during that ninety eight run ninety seven ninety eight run, completely lost on me. So I mean, I mean, if that's your first year in the industry, I'm guessing that's something that that hits you hard coming in. Yeah, and the thing is, is look at Scotty's numbers <clears throat> when he came back, especially the last thirty games of the season. He was unbelievable. In that season. And I keep trying to explain to people that obviously we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Carl Malone and John Stockton and the Jazz. The 98 Eastern Conference final between the Bulls and the Pacers. Wow. That was a war. Reggie Miller at his absolute best. It went seven games. There were a lot of people that walked out of that game thinking, walked out of that series going, yeah, this is it for the Bulls. You know, if they, if they have another run at this with the same group, they're going to run into Indiana or they're going to run into the Knicks or they're going to run into San Antonio and they're going to lose the, the championship. And so you're as you're watching all of this now, I, I mean, what are what are some of the thoughts or what are some of the main thoughts that have come to your mind for that? Let's go just that second three P because I feel like that's what this is all about. You're getting that second three P. You're getting the Rodman. You're well, getting. The breakdown I, of it. I honestly have, have found myself more wrapped up in the first because of the emotional ties. And when I was explaining this to my wife, because she's a little bit younger and, and she's from, she's actually from outside of Champaign. So she doesn't remember a lot of this stuff from, from 91. Michael, when he said that them beating the Pistons was better than a championship, that's kind of how Chicago felt. Like it, it was, it was a big deal. So like that rivalry in my 
hatred for for Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer has been stoked by this this documentary. Like it's always been there, but seeing some of this stuff happen again really really bothered me. And I, and I I also remember when I was telling my wife about this after the Bulls won the championship in '91. It was I mean, Chicago rioted, and it, what was interesting is that it rioted in the most interesting places. Obviously, on the south and west side, there were parties and, and, and riots, air quotes. There were riots on the Gold Coast in Chicago. Like, the, division and rush. You're seeing cars set on fire and people out in the streets and, and all sorts of stuff. And by the time we get to 98, like, as a fan base, we had matured, like, so much that it was kind of like, oh, ha, ha, you know, of course the – Michael's been back for a couple of years. Of course, they're gonna gonna win the title. That's that's crazy because that wasn't Chicago wasn't starved for championships. The Bears won in the Super Bowl in '86, so it wasn't that far removed since yeah, the but, city had a championship. But the Bulls franchise was starved for really. I mean, they were the Bulls and getting Jordan were they were the type of team that reveled in beating you up instead of beating you on the floor. And I think that part of the reason that it resonated with fans so much is that we saw this kind of stair step up as Michael gets there, then Horace and Scotty get there. And then you have the, you have the the makings of a really strong team and then you mix and match some of the parts and you end up, adding folks into the mix. You add Bill Cartwright into the mix. You trade away Charles Oakley to to do that. And then we were on this journey. And and the journey felt like it was a 15-year journey from irrelevance to the height of basketball royalty. And and that's kind of where – and then then immediately after that, there's there's 10 years of nothing until they get lucky – as a franchise with 1.8% chance to get the number one pick. And then they get Derrick Rose and then things start to rise again. And then he gets hurt. Yeah. I think yesterday was the anniversary of Derrick Rose getting hurt. And, and we've seen another Valley that the bulls have gone into. So hopefully like that's, that's how I'm looking at it. Like it's, I'm looking at it as kind of a big mosaic. Yeah, it's still six episodes left to go with that. And this last one, as you mentioned, focused so much on that Pistons and, and the tie-ins to Rodman. But there was a lot of Isaiah Thomas. And anybody that has a, you know, anybody that knows the history of basketball knows that Jordan and Isaiah Thomas do not get along nope. at all. And I think Jordan did a very good job of removing any kind of sympathy that you could get for Isaiah Thomas with uh, that last episode, showing them walking off. And then now you're getting all the comments about the dream team coming up again. That's right. Barcelona and keeping him off that team. And if you remember back in 88, what happened in the All-Star game? Isaiah froze MJ out of the All-Star game. So there's a lot of bad blood. That, that's been building for over 30 years. And I'm glad that people got to see Michael Jordan at his most Michael Jordan-ness where, where he's like, no, nah, I don't care what you show me. I know exactly what Isaiah is going to say. And I believe he's an a-hole. So we, we all saw, and I think that, that, that MJ spoke for a lot of Chicagoans 
which is ironic considering Isaiah Thomas is from the west side of Chicago. Like that's that's the weird part is here's this guy that up until then, up until the the Pistons bad boys was a beloved figure in Chicago. He's the kid who made it from Chicago. And now there's still look Isaiah still has a lot of fans in Chicago. There's still a lot of people on the west side of Chicago that revere him. There are also a ton of people in Chicago that detest him. And and it it's weird. He's he's been kind of going on this uh tour, this goodwill tour. One of my colleagues at NBC Sports Chicago had him on the show last year. And as they were finishing the interview, he said, you know, thanks, Isaiah. I appreciate you coming on. I would shake your hand, but I know that you don't like doing that. And Isaiah stuck around for 30 minutes. He's like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving to kind of plead his case. So we had heard all of the stuff about the the 88 uh, of Celtics and, and all that jazz. We had heard about that. And, and hearing it now, I want, I have no, I have no time for it. I have absolutely no time for it. And I don't want to hear it at all from Zeke. So who has been the most sympathetic figure that we've seen four episodes in? Who do you feel the worst for? Uh, I don't know if I feel, I guess, honestly, Jerry Krause, because he's the only one who's not here to defend himself. Yeah. And I, from what I've been told, when we get to the back end of this thing, I think that there will be a brighter view of his contribution to what the Bulls accomplished. The problem is some of this stuff is just it would be beyond us now in 2020 to have a general manager come out and say that it's his coach's last year. And to do that during the season in, in before pivotal games. We would never see that in 2020. It, it's it's hard to believe, and and him not being able to put his ego or lust to rebuild the Bulls in his own likeness aside has been upsetting. It, it's kind of I, and I was warned about it from some friends of mine at ESPN that this was going to happen. That because in Chicago, Joe, what had happened is when Jerry Krause died there was kind of this detente between Bulls fans and Jerry Krause, people acknowledging what his role was in the six championships and being appreciative for it. And I was told, like, what I was told from someone from ESPN was, this is going to open a wound. The first episode is going to open a wound. And that person was 100% right, because that's exactly what happened. And my timeline the scores text message board, people calling in that next Monday. There were people who were furious at Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf for, for their actions towards those 90s Bulls teams. And that's, I mean, I, that's what I kind of took away from it too, was that Jerry Reinsdorf was so loyal to Jerry Krause that they probably could have had one, two more championship runs but we were we were kind of robbed from that because those I feel like they could have kept them together for maybe one or two more years. Maybe I I just think that the approach was odd and I mean, the reporting on it is they were trying to trade Scotty in '95. So imagine having a player 
that doesn't feel like he's being paid what he's worth. And you've been trying to trade him for three years. Like it, it, it leads to strained relationships and the, the loyalty aspect of it. Jerry Reinsdorf is applauded for it. And I think he should be. If you look at both of his franchises, people who play for those franchises will tell you that he's loyal. The Scotty contract thing bothers me because he could have just restructured it. He didn't have to stick to his guns of, I told you not to sign this and you signed it. He could have actually restructured it. And I think that's what you see, like one of the overarching themes for me in this documentary is there's a lot of prideful people and they seem hesitant to let go of their pride in lieu of the bigger reward. And that's maybe going another year or two and winning another championship. Everyone was so dug in on their particular position that it made winning very difficult. What is uh, something that you're looking forward to in these final six episodes? I want to see that Pacers series. I think it deserves its own episode, honestly. I want to see more bouquets thrown at the Bulls coaching staff. We got a little bit of that with Tex Winter, one of the, the greatest basketball minds ever. The other side of that is Johnny Bach. And I've been saying all week, what I love about the, the Bulls is they remind me very much of an NFL team, like the way they were structured. Because you had a head coach that was kind of the CEO of the team. Like he was handling the personalities and the overall strategy. He had the best offensive and defensive coordinators in the game in Tex Winter and Johnny Bach. And watching those guys evolve as coaches. And that's the one thing I didn't know. I didn't know about Tex Winter being exiled by Doug Collins and then kind of being resurrected with Phil Jackson. And if he's not, if, if Tex Winter doesn't bring the triangle to the Bulls, do the Bulls win a title? Or is Michael Jordan Dominique Wilkins? It, it's a fascinating question. So I want to find out more about those guys and their, their impact on those teams. As you watch the stories of Rodman, could you imagine covering him in a social media era? I, honestly, like I've been looking at this. Rodman clearly would have been a social media star. Could you imagine Jordan? Like, honestly, like that's the one that I can't imagine. I can't imagine us being all up in Michael Jordan's business. I think that Rodman would actually flourish in, in the age of social media. I think that we would have a more, an even more embittered Michael Jordan if he was in the social media era. I wonder if he would have gotten on anything, if he would have shared his thoughts socially or if he would have just kind of stayed to himself and played. It's a great question because he's he's notoriously private and you understand it. And I think that episode five is going to speak to some of that privacy and why he's so private. But think about it. Think of let's let's make. Let's make 1994, 2014. Michael Jordan's playing baseball in Birmingham. Imagine, imagine that on Twitter. Imagine people being in Birmingham watching him play baseball and reacting and people calling him trash and, and all this other stuff. 
what what would that have done to him? How would that have changed him? It's it's a really provocative question. And the only thing that you can compare it to is Tim Tebow trying to play minor league baseball, but Tim Tebow in football wasn't Michael Jordan in basketball. So if, you, if, you Tim, Tebow, if Tim Tebow would have left Florida and played baseball, it's a closer comp, but because I mean, back then he was a god, you know. But for Jordan to walk away after winning three championships. And I've been hearing all sorts of stories from people on the White Sox side. Like, there's all sorts of stuff that I didn't know. Like, Bill Melton, who's one of our um, our White Sox analysts, a White Sox great. He was meeting with Michael Jordan every day the season before he went to Birmingham. Like, they were in the cage every day. Really? Yeah. So it, that kind of that that does that help rumors or kind of squash the rumors as to why Jordan left? Again, again, imagine <laughs> that in 1993, in the summer of 1993, Michael Jordan is in and out of Comiskey Park and people are seeing him on 35th Street. Imagine that, what it would be like on Twitter. I also, Ozzie Guillen told a great story about him and Joey Cora playing Michael Jordan in two on one <laughs> and how they had a three, nothing lead on him. And then Jordan got mad and rattled off 10 points without them touching the ball again. <laughs> how much are you missing White Sox baseball right now? A lot, a lot. Um, I'm missing baseball overall. And it's weird because a couple days ago was the fifth year anniversary of the White Sox playing that game in Baltimore yeah. with no fans. And I think that's a template for what we're going to see baseball look like when and if it returns. I'm missing a lot. The Sox were going to be so good in that, that Cubs team with the contract of Chris Bryant being so at the center point of the uh, of spring training and a new manager there. I know a lot of people in St. Louis were wondering what that team was going to look like too. Yeah, I just had a conversation yesterday with Jason Hayward. Uh, it's up on my YouTube page, House of L podcast. If you just search that, you can see I just kind of started it up. And I did an interview with him, and he was talking about how even the guys in that clubhouse were wondering how KB was going to come back. And they've been really – they were really impressed by the way he handled spring training. He came in. He just kind of – said this he, he I think his press conference was an hour long. He answered all the questions. He understood that he lost the grievance and he was ready to go back to work. And that's what those guys expect from him because that's what he's been his whole career. Yeah, that was I I I was supposed to do for the first time ever I was going to do the uh Comiskey Wrigley doubleheader. Uh Oh, no. nice. I was planning on doing that, uh, I guess, Good Friday is when it would have been. It would have been Cubs-Cardinals at 1 and then Sox-Twins at 7. And that uh, I, I really uh, was, was hating it that day, knowing that I should have been up there. When I was in college, I think it was 97, saw a Cubs game during the day, White Sox game at night, got on the train, went to St. Louis, and then saw the Cardinals the next day. Oh, <laughs> oh. How was that train ride? It's fine. You caught totally up on fine. sleep then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%.
So you have the uh, the podcast, the House of L. Uh, what kind of stuff are you doing on there? Well, we we talk to journalists about what they do. Uh, House of L podcast. Search for it. It's, it's on Stitcher. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, Google Play Music. We talk to we talk to. It started out as being a journalistic thing. We're talking to journalists about what they do, and it's it's expanded. So we talk to a lot of different people. I had Spice Adams on on my podcast and it's amazing to me i covered spice when he was playing for the bears there are a lot of people who don't know he played in the nfl <laughs> i mean that's how famous he is now be with all the stuff on twitter and instagram he's everywhere and there are people that don't understand that this is it's a guy who played in the nfl for 10 years like yeah. 10 years so i do a lot of fun stuff there and it gives me a chance to to talk with people long form without being interrupted. House of L podcast, 670 The Score, and NBC Chicago. He is Lawrence Holmes uh, joining us here on Weekend. Joe, Lawrence, thank you so much. Oh, Joe, thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, for having me on to talk about all this stuff. Big thanks there to Lawrence Holmes of 670 The Score, NBC Chicago, House of L podcast, Find them all different, uh, all kinds of different places there. We appreciate him jumping on with us for uh, for this week. It's just, it's fascinating. The Last Dance says, I, I have been just captivated for the full four hours of it. If you want to hear more about The Last Dance, stuff that you're not seeing on TV or deeper stories with that, Mike Claiborne has been having a weekly chat with Clarence Gaines Jr., the former head scout and assistant GM of the Bulls. And that is up on ClavesOnline.com. It was a three-parter this week. They went over an hour, so we cut it into three different parts. Uh, the first one is up from last week, too, for the first two episodes. That we went full length, and then we decided to cut them into different parts. You'll uh, you'll really enjoy that. Clarence Gaines Jr., he, he goes into such detail with every one of his answers, and he was there for all six of the uh, the championships, so he knows a lot of stuff about those bulls and the stuff that you are seeing on the uh, on the last dance. This is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on Klabes Online and also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm in St. Louis for all of your estate planning, your wills, your trust, your power of attorney needs, uh, especially right now. Uh, Corey Inskip is trying to help you uh, make sure that, well, any any fears, anything that you might have, he is trying to settle and ease any of those fears that you have and help you out at the Inskip Law Firm, I-N-S-K-I-P, Inskip Law Firm, there in St. Louis. They are committed to your satisfaction. Call, uh, uh, email, uh, reach out on social media, several different ways to get in touch with Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising take a quick break back with more weekend joe right after this weekend joe driven by munganess st louis acura here on clavesonline.com now the exclusive home of weekend joe hey st louis acura has received the precision team award 28 times more than any other acura dealership in the united states they have been serving the st louis area since 19 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road 
in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation. That is Munganess, St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClabesOnline.com. And welcome back into Weekend Joe here on ClabesOnline.com. I'm Joe Roderick, and this show's driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. We had this man on a few weeks ago, a little, uh, a little, I guess, COVID-19 project that he was working on that hit near and dear to me, and it's kind of blown up for him. And I want to kind of, I've been wanting to make this a little weekly recap. He, he writes about it, and I guess this is kind of the audio venture of of it along with the visual venture that you get in his articles he is ricky o'donnell and he joins us once again ricky what's going on man how are you what's going on joe thanks for having me i i appreciate you coming on so again to recap for those uh those people that are unfamiliar with it you are you you decided with no sports that you were going to take one of the worst teams available on NCAA 2K8, and you were going to simulate your way to a national championship with them, and it just so happened that it was my Western Illinois Leathernecks that you chose, being a Chicago guy and being that their program, uh, especially back in 2008, was really, really, really bad. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I've spent the last few weeks doing that. I uh, started the series at SB Nation, which was my employer for the last eight years. Uh, right after I started the series, unfortunately, I got placed on furlough for the next three months. So I'm moving the series to a new site I just started. It's through Substack. Uh, the URL is just my name, rickyodonnell.substack.com. Uh, and I'm going to be playing out the series there for free. Uh, I might give people the option to donate if they want to do that, but... Uh, I'm just going to keep it going. It's all going to be free and sent to your inbox every day. The response to it has been huge so far. Uh, I think I have 5,500 email subscribers. Uh, a lot of Leathernecks fans or fans of the series have reached out to me. And uh, it's been really awesome just to see the response it's given people. And it's it's so funny to have them address me uh, as Coach Rick and give me some some actual basketball questions talking about the team. So it's been a blast to do, and I'm looking forward to finishing it out. Before we get into uh, before we get into what uh, the update of the of the dynasty, are you keeping the same Twitter handle so people know where to find you online? Yeah, that was actually a big point of contention for me because my Twitter handle is sbn underscore ricky, uh, and I have kept it. So okay, so I just I wanted to make sure that we weren't that you weren't looking at possibly changing that so I can direct people where to find you with this uh, with, with these updates. I I, I, I got to say I subscribed to the newsletter already. And what's funny is when it comes in an email, it, it just says it says Western Illinois University uh, or Western Illinois right there. And I thought it was the university asking me for money again at first. And then I remembered that I was, in fact, subscribing to your newsletter. So that uh, that that's just something for anybody out there that subscribes to it. Don't just send it right to the trash like you would for any uh, donations that the, the university is asking for uh, just to give a heads up. Has the university reached out to you? Has anybody from the university? reached out to you yet no that hasn't happened uh so far the funniest thing i think is that uh one person edited the western illinois wikipedia page to make me the head coach and 
It, uh, it starts off my career in 2007, 2008, it says. So that's pretty funny. I also feel bad for, I believe, the actual head coach is Rob Jeter. Yes. He's a longtime Chicago basketball guy. Uh, this is his first year, I believe, uh, yeah. as the program's head coach. So I feel a little bad for Coach Jeter. It would be great if I could do a series sort of talking to him, because I guess he's trying to do in real life the same thing that I'm doing in the game. Uh, so maybe I'll do that one day down the line. But no, I haven't heard from anyone at the university yet. I am. That's going to be my goal for next week. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to get you in touch with people at the university that I know, and we're going to get you some. Uh, we're going to get you some leatherneck gear uh, and some stuff to go along with this. Uh, with this journey, and we're uh, we're going to make this because I. You mentioned you mentioned the last time we talked that you're friends with Big Cat from Barstool, and he's doing the thing with football, and I saw that you know Graham Harrell, the uh, offensive coordinator of USC football reached out to him kind of offered an olive branch to work together with him so that's what we need that relationship with you and uh, rob jeter well i just hope they don't send me a cease and desist and uh dan's <laughs> a lot more famous than me i'm just some guy he's a hot shot celebrity uh but it has been cool to sort of do this and to see the reception it's gotten and I'm telling you, man, if I would have started a sub stack myself or a newsletter myself, it wouldn't have gotten nearly this much of attention and this large of a reception uh, right after I published it. Like this was mostly driven by fans of the series, people who have been emailing me. They've been tweeting me. I'm trying to respond to every email, every tweet about the series. Uh, if you're really going to watch me play video games, I feel like it's the least I can do. So uh, feel free to reach out and uh, you know, anyone who's enjoying the series, I've, I've really liked talking to people. So, uh, this, uh, so people that are listening to this interview, uh, are going to be hearing it probably Saturday or Sunday. So you, uh, by then on your Substack page, you will have, uh, released what season eight you said, uh, that you simulate through. Yeah. Season eight going to be a big year. Those who read the last update, which published Wednesday at SB nation, my last post there, that was season six and seven. Uh, I've been doing two seasons per post, but season eight is just a big year for me because I have a recruiting class of four guys who are all going to be redshirt senior starters for me, uh, guys who have been starting the last few seasons. So I'm just going to focus on year eight. Uh, it's the best team I've ever had at Western Illinois in terms of rating. They start the year off as a 93 overall, even before any internal improvement. Uh, so we're loaded this year. This is the season we've been waiting for. If you read my last update, you know that year seven was absolute heartbreak. I lost oh my God. a buzzer oh. beater by NC State, a 35-foot buzzer beater. I don't know why my star center, Deke Van, took an ill-advised jump shot with five seconds left that opened the door for NC State to get off the Hail Mary. They hit it. We lose in the first round. It's been a long offseason, but I'm loving the squad this year. I think we're absolutely loaded. Uh, I think people are going to have fun reading about the team. And yeah, we're dropping year eight on either Saturday or Sunday at the new Substack, rickyodonnell.substack.com. Subscribe, get email updates. It's going to be fun. I, I, I couldn't believe, you know, I watched it and I, you, you, I think said it best in the article that you were going to throw up after watching that. I can't imagine investing the entire game the way you did and seeing that ending uh, come down the way, the way it did. But you, you, you're really, uh, you're really getting a uh, personal connection with these guys that you're recruiting, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, that's the fun part of it, right? Like you have an investment in the players because you had to fight for them just to get them. 
just to recruit them. So it's tough to recruit at Western Illinois. That is the challenge of the video game. And I'm sure Rob Jeter would tell you the challenge of also having that job in real life. Uh, I went two for five on open scholarships. I think, you know, coming into the last post, then I somehow landed a six man recruiting class. We're looking really good for the future as well as this present season of year eight. So I'm hoping we can make a tournament run in year eight. Uh, but you know, even if that doesn't happen, I know the results. So I'm just playing this off. Like I don't know what's already happened, but, uh, you know, despite that, the future looks really good too. So I'm hoping people stick with the series. will follow me to the new site and uh, I need something to do now that I'm unemployed. So I like, and I think, uh, I think most basketball fans in the state of Illinois would like that you open every season against the Illini in this, that, that kind of brings a little state rivalry together, even though Illinois is far and away the, uh, the better program in real life. But you, you finally got one over on the uh, on the Illini. Yeah, they were whooping my ass every year. I actually watched one of the games. If you follow the series, you know that I'll watch that tournament games or like I'll do it for a big conference, uh, you know, conference tournament championship game. And I'll like take video of it with my phone, then upload it and put together a little YouTube video. I did that for the Illinois game maybe a couple of years ago, and they beat me by like 40. It was a gigantic waste of time. I'm like, what am I doing with my life watching my video game basketball team get thrashed for 45 minutes? But I finally beat the Illini last year. Thought that was going to be a good omen for the rest of the season. NC State ends up sticking a knife in me in, uh, in the tournament game. So I actually didn't schedule Illinois for year eight. Oh. Uh, they weren't available during the day that I was trying to schedule, but I opened the year with Northwestern year eight. And then I have an absolutely stacked non-conference schedule. I play North Carolina. I play UConn. I play Michigan state. I play Wichita state. So we're trying to like battle test the guys. That was my game plan coming into the year uh, before the tournament. Cause I have so much experience. So uh, the Illini rivalry gets a one year pause, but it will be back. I think in the future. Now, just for uh, I, I want to hear, I want to know how realistic this game might be. Who are you? You've already gone through seven seasons that you've posted about. Do you know who all seven national champions have been? In the game or in yeah, the in the game, time? in the game. Uh, no, I probably wouldn't know that. I think Maryland won the last year. And spoiler alert: Maryland is again very loaded this next season. I think Memphis won one year. I think uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember the rest of them. I just, you know, I, I wanted to make sure because you're you are trying to get Western Illinois University to be the national champion. So I'm wondering if there's other obscure schools that end up somehow in the championship uh, in the championship game at some point. No, but if you read, so I, that hasn't happened yet. But if you have read uh, the series, you saw in my last post. I put the full selection Sunday show. Yes, I post, like nine <laughs> minutes and hilarious. And I got a lot of angry emails from readers that Canisius got a nine seed or however you pronounce that school. Maybe I shouldn't even bring this up without knowing how to pronounce it. Uh, but they got a they got a nine seed. And the the readers were extremely upset at this. They thought that that was a an abomination compared to what Leatherneck Nation was getting in terms of seed treatment. So it's possible to get a higher seed. I think. Yeah, you you've had good enough records and I feel like it's, you know, it's kind of like a Gonzaga syndrome to where if you're there enough, I feel like maybe at some point you start to earn the respect, right? Yeah, and what I would love is 
a feature the game doesn't have, which is conference realignment. Like, if I could jump out into, you know, give me the Missouri Valley, give me the Horizon League, give me something, that would be better, but that's not an option available in the game. So I'm riding Summit League for 40 years, baby. That's why we're going to stack the non-conference schedule uh, as my team gets, like, consistently better, which I think we're starting to hit our stride in terms of uh, roster turnover and the type of players we're targeting, the type of players we're producing over the course of four or five years. I got the coach speak down already, so uh, we'll see how it works out. You mentioned the people that are reaching out to you and the emails and tweets that you've that you've gotten. I mean, somebody took the time, as you mentioned, to go through and kind of try to help you. You have your own like recruiting coordinator that I feel like online that is trying to help you build the best team through recruiting. It's it really is amazing how you know some of these people are spending their their quarantine time trying to help you out. Yeah, it's hilarious. I've gotten a lot of emails. I've got people hitting me up being like, I need a Ricky Charisma t-shirt. Uh, so now I'm wondering if I should make t-shirts <laughs> with my with my spare time. So uh, yeah, I mean, the response has been awesome. I, I think that it's happened for a couple of reasons. The first one is obviously that there's no sports right now. The second thing is that this is the last college basketball video game ever made. They discontinued the series right at the start of the Ed O'Bannon uh, lawsuit, which ultimately ended college sports video games. That's been the case for the last probably like six or seven years at this point. Uh, but this is the last college basketball video game. I guess the price is like outrageously expensive right now. It's like 150 or $200 to buy this game that I'm playing. I just had an old copy from when I was in college. Uh, and yeah, I think it's been fun corresponding with fans and, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. You, uh, you, you mentioned the video games this past week. We, and I, I feel like this, the news came out because of how many people are playing old NCAA video games that it seems like EA sports is trying to find a path to getting us back to video games. Uh, how, how much research or how much have you looked into, uh, to that? I did see that story. I would be lying to you if I said I did a ton of research on it. But, uh, you know, from the people who I was working with for many years at Banner Society, which is the SB Nation College football site, hopefully we'll be returning after the furlough. Uh, they have been basically telling me that college football video games, college sports video games are going to return at some point in the near future. But that doesn't necessarily mean in the next year or two. Uh, but, you know, I think... You know, five years down the line, we should have college sports video games back in our lives. What a great moment that will be. But uh, I think it's coming, but it's not coming quite yet. Yeah. And I feel like I think some of the buzz or some of the demand for it has been people like you playing these video games and reminding everybody just how much fun these uh, these really were back in the uh, back in the day when. And I saw one of the issues was they thought that they would sell better if they had Reggie Bush instead of running back five you know that that's ridiculous you you just go in there and you edit the names yourself once you buy the game that, that's how it always worked for us back then and that's how it'll work for us when they come back yeah this is like millennials version of being like back in my day i hiked up a hill in the snow for two miles every day on the way to school we were like we changed reggie bush and vince young's names ourselves all right no one did it for us uh, hopefully these college athletes can get a piece of the pie, though. I mean, yeah, that would be amazing. The athletes should be able to profit off their likeness in college sports. There's no doubt about that. 
so hopefully all these things are sort of reaching a tipping point now uh, with both, you know, college athletes fight for profitability with the NBA possibly abolishing the age limit in the next year or two with Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd, two five-star recruits entering the G League straight out of high school this year, bypassing college, turning pro in America and not needing to go to Australia to do it. Uh, hopefully all these things are reaching ahead, reaching a tipping point, and the future will be better than it has been for college athletes over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, but we're not there quite yet, unfortunately. Now, I'm, I'm going to hold Ricky Charisma's feet to the fire here, and I want a, uh, I want a quote. I want a, uh, I want a promise because I know that with your success that you're, you're getting job opportunities from other schools. But I, I need to know, is Ricky Charisma, he is devoted to winning a national championship at Western Illinois University, and he's not going to go and take any other jobs, correct? No, no chance. Macomb, Illinois, most beautiful place in the world. Who would want to live in California when you can live in central Illinois? So we're going to be staying at Western Illinois the whole time. That's the gimmick for this series. <laughs> That's what I said on the first post. Uh, you know, I'm hoping if I win the title somehow that people still stick with me, that they don't abandon the series, uh, and that maybe we could turn Western Illinois into a dynasty. I'll run off 40 years with this school. That's how much the game gives you uh, and see how many championships we could get. I don't think we're uh, quite at that level yet, but I mean, we'll see. We got a good team this year. I think we got a good team in the future too. And you're going, you're opening up the borders of Illinois. Uh, you went and you, but you did go and get a Peoria guy. So you, you are trying to stay somewhat within the state. So uh, with, is it Nicola Stockman? Yeah, that's the point card. He wasn't very good. He's only a 68 overall. That's okay. He'll be a five-year guy. Uh, and then this next year I have four open scholarships. So I'm basically recruiting for everything, but a point guard, big picture view. We'll get a year with like four redshirt juniors and that Stockman kid is a redshirt senior. So hopefully that could be a good team. If I end up pulling off this recruiting class. Well, Ricky, I, I look forward to the progress that you, uh, that you continue to make with this. And hopefully um, we, we continue to get the, uh, the numbers up for the people that are, are reading your stuff and are following along with this. And I will, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to reach out to a few people I know at the university and I'm going to see what we can, uh, what we can have sent to you that is Western Illinois related. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do my best to see what I can uh, help you out with. All right, it's about time Coach Rick got into a recruiting scandal or, uh, you know, impermissible <laughs> benefits violation situation. So we're overdue for that by year eight. I think that if if uh, yeah. I was really experiencing this level of success at Western Illinois, I, I would certainly be cheating to do it, no doubt. So it's about time for that, I think. Well, Ricky, we appreciate it. We look forward to the progress that you will uh, make with this. And, uh, I mean, on, a, on another note, too, all of the work that you did with uh, Fire Gar Packs, it looks like the Bulls are, are making a, a turn for the better with, uh, with the hirings that they've made in the front office. Yeah, I think that's what most people knew me from originally. Uh, I've, I've done a lot. I mean, I cover basketball at all three levels. That's what I was doing for SB Nation. I cover, you know, high school basketball through the recruiting angle of college. I cover a lot of college. I cover the NBA draft. I cover the NBA. But I think most people knew me from writing about the Chicago Bulls, and I sort of led the bandwagon 
to fire John Paxson and Gar Foreman. Gar got fired, Paxson got promoted into a position of less authority. So uh, I'm not sure if I was like truly successful there, as long as John Paxson still has a job, but it doesn't seem like he has much power. It seems like he basically quit, which is what I always wanted him to do. When people would ask me in interviews, Ricky, if you were John Paxson, what move would you make to save the Bulls? And I always said the same thing. First of all, I would fire myself because I don't deserve my job. So now that we got Garpax fired, I decided to turn to my second career of uh, becoming a, a video game player for games from 13 years ago. Well, we've mentioned it. You can find it at rickyodonnell.substack.com. That's where you can go and subscribe to the uh, to the newsletter that you're going to be doing or follow you on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky, R-I-C-K-Y, is where you can find uh, find your work as well. And, uh, Ricky, we're going uh, we're, we're gonna to check back in in a couple weeks. We're going to keep reading your stuff, and we're going we uh, to see what we can do with those Leathernecks. Tight. Let's do it. Thanks for having me on. And I'll say when we not if we go to the final four, when we go to the final four, we're going to do a live stream. I don't really know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out. So if we make the final four live stream, get everyone together, that could be fun, too. Thanks for having me, Joe. Awesome, Ricky. Thank you so much. That's Ricky O'Donnell. Find him on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky to follow along with his journey with my Western Illinois Leathernecks trying to simulate their way to a national championship. Uh, we, we look forward to having him on the show again in a few weeks and hopefully talk about a uh, talk about a much bigger, uh, much bigger victory, a uh, much deeper run into those postseason uh those postseason games with the uh, leathernecks hey this is weekend joe driven by munganass st louis acura also sponsored by collinsville auto body 911 north bluff road in collinsville right there off of 55 you, you turn left and you end up right there at collinsville auto body uh sponsor of all of my shows programs what have you for over a uh, decade now and we always thank them for their loyalty to us we need to take our final break when we come back andy rejoins and we uh, wrap things up with some crack slippers right here on weekend joe driven by munganass st louis acura on claves online Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClavesOnline.com, is driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura. It's also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Hey, right now in these uh, trying times, don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm for any of your estate planning, wills, trusts, or power of attorney issues that you might have. Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm can help with all of that. And he can even help with traffic matters or criminal matters, for that uh, for that matter. They are committed to your satisfaction at the Inskip Law Firm. That's I-N-S-K-I-P, the Inskip Law Firm. Corey Inskip, my guy. Plenty of ways to get in touch with him, whether it's by phone, email, social media. Corey Inskip will get back in touch with you if you give him a call or hit him up today. That's the Inskip Law Firm. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. Wrapping up the final segment here on a Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Joe Roderick, Andy Hanselman rejoining me now here on the program. And uh, Andy, all of those, uh, all I guess, um, I, I, 
hopefully people are, are going through and they're looking at the timestamps of the uh, of the interviews as we I put it up there. I put it up there on the list last week. The little rundown. I'm going to post that every single week. The rundown that you see online for this uh, for this show. And hopefully that makes it easier for people to find the interviews they want to listen to. Yes, you're making those beautiful infographics that really lay the show out. Yeah, they're, strong, I, I, they're quite strong. I'm going to use the same graphic for this show every single week. And Andy, I, I'm going to just change the color of it. I'm going to change the background color of it. And that's how, that's how people will know what they can listen to. That's branding, Joe. Yep. Yeah. We changed the logos on May 1st for the, uh, for the podcast and for oh. uh, it's going up on all the social media accounts and eventually the website too. So it's, uh, uh, you know, we're, 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 Keep chugging ahead on uh, on many things here for the uh, for the show. Glad to see it, Joe. Yeah, I, the the podcast as of right now, as I'm looking as we record, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what all details go into changing a logo for a podcast or whatever. But we'll. Oh, uh, <laughs> how many days does it take? Oh, it's instantaneous. It is okay. But it has well, to be 1,400 by 1,400 pixels. Yeah, I know we we had that. I, I'm not sure where um, I'm not sure where we stand, but I know everything was getting changed over this weekend. Um, as long we got to remember passwords too. That's uh, that's another thing. That another uh, another roadblock that we've run into. So that's uh, that's what we have uh, coming up for uh, for you over the next few days on Claves Online. Andy, let's wrap things up here with uh, some crack slippers. Joe, some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news. We picked those stories up here on Weekend Joe. These are the Crack Slippers with Joe Roderick, exclusively on ClavesOnline.com. Andy, uh, I, I guess we'll we'll start with this. We're going to the movies with uh, with the, with uh, Crack Slippers. First off, did you see Harrison Ford? What uh, what what happened with him? Uh, I heard something happened with him at LAX. Yeah, he is it. It was at Hawthorne Airport in oh, Los okay. Angeles. Yeah, last week. This is the second time that I can remember that Harrison Ford has kind of had a run-in. I guess that he is uh, he's upset about an incident that happened where he crossed a runway where another aircraft was was landing. He said he misheard a radio instruction from air traffic control. And he immediately acknowledged the mistake and apologized, but he's, uh, yeah, he's getting, uh, getting some flack oh, again for Joe, some air it was, troubles. It wasn't just an airplane. It, it was a Boeing 747 he cut in front of. Yeah, he could have, I mean, he, we could have seen the end of Harrison Ford. So uh, I heard somebody else talking about this on the radio earlier this week. And the, the incident at LAX was that he was told to go to runway 24, uh, 24R. Yeah. And went to two four L instead, and and did oh. the exact same thing. Cut off another huge jet. So, right, if you're, that, so if you are in the if you are in the big jet that almost runs into Harrison Ford, and you have a little bit of a shaky landing, you know, it's you, you get thrown around a little bit, but you come out of it okay. You come out of it with no sure. injuries. Are are you? Are you are you pissed at Harrison Ford, or or do you look at that as wow? I have a I have a story to tell. No, you're pissed at Harrison Ford. Those pilots take that stuff pretty seriously. Okay. And uh, sometimes, you know, you're just a bad pilot. And, and, and Harrison Ford's been doing this. He, Harrison Ford is 77 years old. So someone said that it, that it might be because he's getting older. And they said, no, it's probably just because he's a bad pilot. 
because he's been a bad pilot for so long. Yeah, he's had issues in 1999. He had to make an emergency landing in California uh, on a riverbed while flying in a helicopter. And then in 2017, he had the issue, as you were talking about, where he mistakenly landed uh, at an airport in Santa Ana. And then in 2015, I, I think this is the most notable one where he was forced to land on a golf course. Yeah. No, I think it might be time to, to uh, hang up the headphones and uh, microphone there, Harrison, and, and not really fly anymore. He needs Chewy with him. He does need Chewy. That's really the fun. issue. Yeah, yeah it, that's. It's, it's, oh, if he's in the Millennium Falcon, he has no issues whatsoever. Right. None. None. And then uh, also this uh, back in the movies as well, LeBron James, I guess, couldn't be outdone by all the attention Michael Jordan's getting these days. LeBron yeah. James announced, uh, finally announced Space Jam 2, a new legacy. I guess it's not being called Space Jam 2. It's being called Space Jam, a new legacy. And they have uh, they finally have announced the movie is is coming out. No date yet on when the movie will uh, will be coming. But they have uh, they have said that it is it is official. All the rumors that you've heard. Finally, we are getting a second Space Jam with LeBron James and Bugs Bunny. Something you're going to go see. I, I imagine I will. Yes. Wait for it to wait for it to come out on Netflix. No, I will. I will definitely go and see it. It just it says 2021. I, I at last check it was set to come out July 16th of 2021. Yeah. That could still happen. You know, like but a lot of the major blockbusters have already been pushed back to the, uh, to December. Like Top yeah. Gun two not coming out in May. Very upset about that. Uh, the new Ghostbusters movie also is getting pushed back too. Oh really? Yeah. Is yeah. that what? Girls again? No, no, no. no the, this one's kind of a um, a, a what's uh, origins? I guess you could say. I think I, I want to say is Paul Rudd in the uh, in the new Ghostbusters, but it starts off I, again. I'm I, I don't want to. I'm going to actually. Yeah, Paul Rudd is in it. It's called Ghostbusters Afterlife. So maybe it's yeah. not an origin one. It's kind of what happened after everything that happened in New York in 84 and in 89, they completely do not mention the women in it at all, but it starts off in a farm in Oklahoma. Okay. And the, uh, the, the station wagon is found and there's, yeah, it's, it, 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 I mean, the trailer makes it look pretty cool. So it's definitely, yeah. It starts Carrie Coon. Ben Wolford, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd uh, with appearances with um, uh, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Andy Potts. Okay, I knew I didn't know Sigourney their Weaver roles, or reprised their roles from the original films. Yeah, I knew I knew I didn't know Sigourney Weaver was in it. I knew of the uh, the three Ghostbusters and Annie Potts were all in it. Uh, it, uh, it. They I know they were trying really hard to get uh, Rick Moranis in it as well, but that is a man that is completely checked out of the Hollywood lifestyle. Uh, it is the direct sequel to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's some. If maybe this takes off, maybe you get Rick Moranis in at some point. That'd be that'd be nice to see. Yeah, that'd um, be cool. yeah but I mean, uh, you know, if you know the backstory in Rick Moranis and the reasons why he left Hollywood, you can't you can't be mad at the guy for for wanting to have his own private life. That's a debut on July 10th, delayed to March 5th of 2021. Yeah, 
Directed, directed uh. and written by Jason Reitman, who ironically, his father, Ivan, directed the first two movies. Is that okay? I knew there was a tie-in somewhere. I hadn't looked in to see what that tie-in was. So that's, uh, yeah, nice to uh, yeah, see. So He's a producer on this film as well. Andy, that's uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of no, Weekend so Joe. What? Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we uh we have to wrap things up here. Um you enjoy the rest of uh the rest of your weekend. Everybody uh hopefully enjoyed this show and everything that we have coming up for you next week on clabesonline.com. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff coming your way uh starting on Monday morning with the off the wall video segment with Frank Cusimano. I'm looking forward to getting feedback from many people on uh, on that, I think I think people are really going to like uh, a tour through uh, through Frank's house, and uh, I'm looking uh, I'm going to be putting out. And by the way, so McLovin from the Dan Patrick Show was supposed to be on yeah. the show today. It got pushed back to next week. I cannot say why it got pushed back. He will talk about it on Dan <coughs> Dan Patrick if he has not already. And he will talk about it next week here on the uh, show when he plans on doing it. We have been we've, we've been texting a few different times over the week, so McLovin will uh, will be on. It's supposed to be on next week, and if he's not on next week, it's just going to be a running joke that he's on the schedule for the next week every single week until he comes on. I mean, somebody else already does that. I, I know, I'm I'm aware, but that's that's <laughs> what McLovin is going to be turning into, and I'll let him know that. So that's going to do it for us, Andy. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Joseph, have a great weekend. Everybody else, you too. This has been Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Munganass St. Louis Acura. Hey, they are doing, uh, they'll deliver to you. They will make it as easy as possible for you to get in to that new or used car at Munganass St. Louis Acura. They deliver. You can schedule online at stlouisacura.com or you can call them 314-822-2872. And they are also offering, uh, as I said, home delivery and pickup for sales and service uh, customers. You can call them today for more information and they can do everything uh, non, I guess what, non-contact finalizing all of the sales with you as well so until next week i'm joe roderick this has been weekend joe driven by munganass st louis acura right here on clavesonline.com